0: Please turn in your copies of God's Word to the Song of Solomon, chapter 3. The Song of Solomon is a, it's a beautiful love story between the bride, the bride representing Christ's church, and the, and the groom representing Christ's church himself. And just like in every relationship, there are ups and there are downs. Things don't always go the way that you would expect them to go. And in this particular chapter, something is not quite right. Something is not the way that it should be. And we're going to find out exactly what that is. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, beginning verse 1. On my bed by night I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I will rise now and go about the city, in the streets and in the squares I will seek him whom my soul loves loves. I sought him, but found him not. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house, into the chamber of her who conceived me. Lord, as we approach your word now, we plead with you to open our ears, to enlighten our hearts, give us an attentiveness, for you are going to speak words to us. Help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you may have experienced this. You sense a distance between you and God. Those times of sweet, intimate fellowship with God, which you once had, are no more. You show up to church, you read the Word, or hear it read to you, and even prayer seems dull, dry, and inaccessible, and your heart is simply not in it. It's like showing up to a feast People crowd around the piece of meat, and when they disperse, there is none for you. You maybe are distressed, defeated, exhausted. The psychological, relational, physical, emotional pressures have eaten away at you. And you, like the bride in this story... Say, I sought him, I sought him, but I found him not. And as hard as this is, such distress, such times when you go through these things, are not meant to lead you to despair. They're meant to light a fire in your soul. Light a burning hunger for you to run to Christ. And this is what we see happening here. And like this bride, during such times, you and I are called to rise now and go to the One whom your soul loves. You are to rise now and go to the one whom your soul loves. This is the charge to you from this text this evening. We will explore this charge under two headings. First, your remedy. If you look here at the text in verse 1, it says, On my bed by night I sought Him. By night. It is is uh, indicating a time of darkness, of great desertion, indicating a restless unease. While others were sleeping in their beds at peace, here this bride is awake in the dark of night. And this is what it is like for the Christian, the true child of God when His presence is not near. It could be midday, bright outside, and yet it is as night because the presence of God is not there with you. All is not as it seems. The light is darkness. The darkness is light. There's there's all this confusion. Your very soul is in upheaval. Because the light of the world, the Son of Righteousness, is not there with you. And in the Hebrew, it says night after night. Meaning that it was not just one night that this bride was searching, hungering, if you will. But it was a period of time, perhaps a long period of time, where she sought him with this restless enrize, and it was a growing frustration over time. I sought him, night after night. This highlights a universal hunt for something or someone. And this hunt was being met with frustration and Desperation. But who? Who exactly was it that she was searching for? Who was it that she was hungering for? Well, it says here in the text, On my bed by night, I sought Him whom my soul loves. I am seeking. I am seeking. I am seeking. I am seeking. Night after night after night, Him whom my soul loves. And there's no doubt at all of this longing, for she declares him to be the one over and over again in verse 1, I sought him whom my soul loves. In verse 2, I will seek him whom my soul loves four times in the text. In verse 3 and verse 4, there's no doubt that she longs for him, that she misses the Tender embrace of his presence. Yet despite his absence, distance could not entirely extinguish these flames of love in her heart, or perhaps embers even. Like the bride, can you declare? That Christ is the one whom your soul loves. And how could he not be? How could he not be the one whom your soul loves? How could you not be enraptured by him? He who died. And gave himself for you. If he is not him whom your soul loves, you do not comprehend the magnitude of his grace towards you. I sought him. Verse 1 I sought him, but found him not. I saw him, I did. But I can't find him. I cannot find him. Where is he? She is so distraught, so sad, that she says it twice in the text. Verse one I saw him but found him not. Verse two I saw him but found him not. Can you hear the desperation and the tears in her? words and in her tone. The believer weeps as Mary did, but she couldn't find the tomb of Jesus. And in John 20, they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid Him. This is the cry of the wounded heart of the child who feels the absence of their beloved. She found him not because maybe she was seeking for him in all the wrong places and in all the wrong ways. James 4.3 says you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly. Maybe she was asking wrongly. if you sense the absence of the one whom your soul loves, maybe it's because you are seeking Him wrongly. Maybe seeking in a cold, lifeless manner. Verse 1 says, on my bed by night. A passive engagement with the search, perhaps. Some of you here, maybe, tonight, have grown complacent. You have once tasted of the the presence of God, but lost it somewhere along the way. You sought Him, but you can't find Him again, and so when you show up to the Word of God, you are simply okay with where things are at. With the cold dullness of the relationship. Verse 2 says, I will rise now and go. I will rise now and go about the city and the streets and in the squares. She goes to find him whom my soul loves. And this going about to the city, to the streets, to the squares, is no longer on the bed. She's up about. She's active in her pursuit of her beloved, giving an uh, indication of intent, of purposefulness. She's going where she believes that she can find him. This isn't some. Question of where he is. He's got to be in one of those places. That's why she's going there. She had lost no opportunity. She cared not that here's this woman in the middle of the, the, in the, middle of the city. At night, people would have seen her. They would have, they would have wondered, what is she doing? Is she up to any good? What mischief is she Is she doing? She wouldn't have cared. She didn't care. Because the search that she was going after was in her heart. The fire of love had been lit within her. And it would not be quenched. It would not be satisfied. But verse 2 says, I sought him, but found him not. Again, met with defeat. And then verse 3 says, The watchman found me. She had been found, but not by the one that she was seeking. But she thinks perhaps they they can help her. So she asks them in verse 3, Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Have you seen him? Because I've been looking in the streets and in the cities and the squares and I cannot find him. Help me. I'm desperate for him. Where is he? I cannot find him. I'm tired. It's dark out. I'm exhausted. Where is he? When you sense distance from God, immediately start seeking him. Get up, as this woman did, and search for his presence through prayer, worship, and immersing yourself in his word. Keep seeking Him persistently until you regain closeness with Him. Do not give up halfway. We see the bride in this section. I saw Him, I found Him not. She goes out again. I saw Him and found Him not. She hasn't given up. Neither should you. You must stop if you are indulging in any kind of activity or sinful behavior or lifestyle that would separate you from God. You cannot go to bed with sin and expect Christ to lay right next to you. You will not find Him. You must examine your heart. If you sense the absence of the Lord's presence. This is meant to cause you to examine your heart. Do it. Sometimes the Lord's not there because you don't desire Him the way that you should. And to you who are not believers. Like the woman's desperate cry, I found him not, over and over again, after she had searched night after night. You too will be met with failure. You will search for the desires of your heart, but you will never be satisfied because you seek the wrong things. But unlike you, this woman, she has a hope that she will find what she is looking for. And her desperate cries for, "Where is he?" will then she be met with success, because she searches for the correct things. And you can, too. Start searching for the one who will satisfy every single desire of your heart. So rise now. Go to the one whom your soul loves. Then we come to verse 4. Verse 4 is speaking of the reward of this search. We look at verse 4. It says, Scarcely had I passed them when I found Him whom my soul loves. Picture that. She had gone about the city. She had asked. She had inquired. She had gone to the places where she had expected to meet Him with failure. I saw Him. I found Him. I sought Him. I found Him not. Now I have found the one whom my soul loves. And the scriptures speak in countless, countless places of this very concept of seeking and finding, seeking and finding. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Proverbs 8:17, I love those who love me. Those who seek me diligently find me. Second Chronicles 15:2: if you seek him, he will be found by you in jesus statement matthew 7 ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened she had asked she had knocked she had gone to this city She had gone to the street. She had gone to the squares. Her whole heart given up to this one great task, to be reunited with the one whom my soul loves. At last, she had found him. She had found him. She had laid aside her idols. If she had found a close friend, if she had found a long-lost loved one, these findings would not have satisfied her. The watchman didn't satisfy her. Some of you will hear the Word of God preached every week. Some of you, twice a week. The watchman of God will speak to you as it were. As it were. But you must go beyond the watchmen of God to seek God Himself. They are merely appointing you beyond themselves to someone and something far greater. If she had simply stopped at the watchmen, if she had simply been satisfied with being found by them, her search would have utterly failed. And for her, his presence alone would suffice. Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loved. And look what she does. I held him and would not let him go. You could just picture it, can't you? You know those people in your... Life, who are very physically affectionate people. They come in with this massive bear hug, and it's so difficult to get them off of you, isn't it? And that's what she's doing. She's found the one whom my soul loves, and she has latched a hold of him. She refuses every sinew, every fiber of her muscles, grasping hold of him. Her conquest has been met with success. She will not let him go. She will hold him until the very last breath that she is allowed to breathe. I have found him. I have found him. And again, this concept of holding Christ is all throughout Scripture. In Proverbs, Lady Wisdom is speaking of Christ. She, being Christ, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. We see in Genesis 32 where Jacob is wrestling with God. And what does he say? I will not let you go. Oh Lord, I will not let you go until you have blessed me. He is holding on. Because he has found something so utterly precious, how could he let go? It would be foolish, the height of stupidity for him to let go of what he has found and what he is holding on to. This holding that is being described here in this text, this holding that we see in Proverbs and in Genesis, and that I'm speaking to you today about, is far deeper than a simple finding. It's a far deeper, intimate love that this is speaking and articulating to you. But you might ask the question, how do you hold on? How do you hold on to him once you've found him? Well, you could do it as she does with resolve. Resolve. I will not let go. I have him, I will hold him, and I will refuse to let go. This single-minded devotion to the one thing that she has set her heart on, nothing will distract her from the thing that she desires. And if you were to experience something in the presence of God, you must have that single-minded resolve and devotion to go after him, to eliminate all distractions until you have found the one whom your soul loves. You do it with surrender to the point where you give up all in your pursuit of Him if He asks for it. Again, you cannot have Christ and anything else over here. It's Christ or it's nothing. He may give you some of these things, but, he, but those things are never to take his place. And those things must be surrendered to his lordship. And so if you are seeking him, you have to have the heart that is surrendered to him. And you are due with power. You might say, what power? I'm a puny worm, right? You're telling me that I can hold on to God? you can. It's biblical. Because if you are a child of God, Christ Himself and the Spirit dwells within you. So when you hold Him with power, it is not really you who is holding, but it is Christ in you who is holding on to Christ Himself. Christ is holding on to Christ by his own power, and Christ cannot overcome himself. And so if Christ dwells in you, you can hold on to him through Christ with power that will not be breakable. But she didn't just hold him, did she? She brought him. She brought him to the place, to the chamber of her who conceived me. Culturally speaking, the the groom would go to the bride's house for the first formal act of marriage. So here in this dream, she is depicting the consummation of the marriage, where she will no longer be apart from him. That was one of the amazing things about getting married was that I no longer had to go home at night. And for those who have been married before, that's such a wonderful thing. I don't have to go back to my house and she has to go back to hers. We are, we are one. We no longer have to be apart. And so she's picturing this time when she and him will be one and their presence will be fused together and inseparable. She is wanting to bring him into the chamber of her innermost being, to the deepest parts of her heart. She desires to bring him there, that he might dwell there by faith, that he might live in her and she in him, and so have this unbroken, intimate, uninterrupted communion together. Is that something that you desire with Christ? This uninterrupted communion, this deep, intimate fellowship with him. What God shows you when he withdraws is that you need him such that the smallest hint of his presence becomes everything. It's like a person that is in the Sahara Desert for multiple days without water, that the sing that even the smallest droplet of water is the most glorious experience that you will ever experience. In my relationship with Kate, we have discovered something early on about our love languages. You, you could take that however you want. I'm not big on the love language, but do you think they're helpful in terms of our understanding how to interact with one another? And one of her biggest about her biggest love language is physical affection. And I could be gone for days or uh, hours or minutes, and I'll come back home and get engulfed in this massive bear hug because she's she's missed me. She's just being in my presence. And this is the picture that's, that's being given to us here. And she acknowledges this, that I'm allowing her to hold me. Because she knows that if I wanted to punt her off of me at any point, I could, def- I could definitely do that. I won't do that, and I w- may be tempted at times because I'm not a physically affectionate person by nature. But I'm allowing her to hold me. And Christ allows himself to be held by you. He allows himself to be brought. And when I get home and Kate's just bare hug, immediately what she does is she tries to take me to this area of the house where she can smother me and I can't escape. And so this bride is bringing the one whom her soul loves to this, the chamber of her mother's house. She's taking him to the place where in her mind he can't escape. And God allows himself to be held by you. He allows himself to be brought by you if you will but pursue Him. Brothers and sisters, when you find Christ, cling to Him desperately. Desperately. As if your life depends on it, because it does. You know what it is like when Christ's presence is not near. The day is as darkness to you. Hold on to Him when you find Him. Cultivate your spiritual life through the disciplines of Scripture meditation, through fasting, through worship and service. Do all that you can do. Exercise the means of grace like we did this morning with the Lord's Supper to continue to stoke the flames of your affections for the one whom your soul loves. Bring Christ into every single area of your life, your work, your relationships, your leisure time. Consciously walk with Him wherever you go. If you're on your drive to work, a great time to lift up songs of praise to your God and King. If you're walking in the park, look at and behold the beauty of all that is around you and let it draw you closer to Him. You and I have one need in this life. One need and we have one legacy that we should ever pursue and even you who are younger here you might think that your one greatest need is to fit in with your friends to be accepted into the group to be thought of as popular and cool And you who are older You may think that your one greatest need is to get the next job promotion. To save up enough money so that you can go on vacation. To have as little unease in your life as humanly possible. And I want to tell you today, you have only one need in this life. You have only one legacy that you are to pursue. And it is this, that you are to be one who is marked by the presence of God. You are to be one who is marked by His presence, such that even if others do not know that you are a Christian, they can see it because it is marked upon you. And it bleeds into every fiber of your being, into every aspect of your life. You have only one great need. And to you, who do not know Christ. What are you holding on to tonight that is not Him? Everything that you hold on to that is not Him will one day fail you. It is like a rope that you are trusting in that one day it snaps and you fall down and you are broken you will fall completely disappointed. But this one here invites you to lay hold of Him. He allows you to be brought by Him. He is inviting you to taste and to see. So stop holding on to the perishable and hold on to the imperishable. Do it now because tomorrow is not guaranteed to you. So some of you may be experiencing a difference between you and God. Those times of sweet fellowship that you once had are are no longer. The church, the word prayer seems dry, dull, lifeless and inaccessible. You show up to a meal and others are fed and you go away hungry. You may be distressed, defeated, exhausted. Psychological, relational, physical, emotional pressures weigh upon you and eat away at your being. You, like the bride, cry out, I sought him, I sought him, but I found him not. Rise now. Go to the one whom your soul loves. And you may be saying, listen, I'm trying. I'm discouraged. I'm, I have all these sins I'm struggling with. I can't get to him. He's, he, I see him there. I'm trying and I just can't, I can't lay hold of him. I can't. I'm tired of trying. He doesn't want me anyways, does he? You keep making progress in besetting sins and then you slip back into it. And I'll give you a little hint into the rest of the Song of Solomon. She finds him here, but she loses him again but then finds him again. There is never a point in your life, if you are a child of God, where you cannot go to God. There will never be a time in your life with God where he is tired of you coming to him with each new failure. And he turns you away. He is still there, willing to be found and to be brought by you if you will but seek Him. So don't give up. And if you are here today and you are holding Him, continue to do so. Hold on to Him desperately and see the value of all that you are holding on to. And there will be one day where the marriage that is depicted here will be consummated. Where one day this wayward bride, which is now not so beautiful, she's weak, she's imperfect, will one day be flawless. Hear this from Song of Solomon 4 You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Sainar and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. There will be a day when there will be no flaw in you, and you will be united. To your husband in perfect unity and intimacy with him. And that relationship that you share will never be broken again. Father in heaven, Lord, we do come here weak, we come here distracted we are seeking after so many things. Some of us are going after all the wrong things, in fact. Some of us are here tonight just discouraged because we have been seeking you for so long and we don't sense that you are there. Lord, come near to us. Meet with us. And may we desire the one whom my soul loves, such that even at the first failure or the second failure, we would never give up till we have been in your presence. We have tasted of the goodness of your presence. Help us to lay aside every weight and sin which prevents us from running to you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.